2: welcome everyone to the bodybuilding.com podcast i'm your host heather eastman and today we're mixing things up a little bit i'm actually interviewing my co-host nicolias he is our executive editor here at bodybuilding.com um i'd say thanks for joining us but you're kind of here every day anyway i'm
1: yeah and i'm usually uh, i'm usually doing the interviewing on that podcast so i'm the guy maybe people on youtube know as the one in the comments they say lol i can't believe they let the little tiny guy host the podcast (laughs)
2: So today, this is the Heather podcast because Heather's interviewing Nick. It really should be the Nick podcast. <laughs> um, but we are interviewing Nick because he is doing uh, something kind of extraordinary.
1: I'm a, a, a pro athlete.
2: <laughs> he, I mean, so to prepare for this, I should I should let all of our viewers and listeners know, I actually Googled Nick Coley's athletic career. Mm-hmm. And we had one did, article... Did one of those yeah, little wha- shit
1: emojis come up? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we, we, Steaming? We had one article that popped up from whence I drew most of the information that you're going to go through today. But basically... Nick is the world arm or going to the world arm lifting championships in Russia.
1: World arm lifting, arm lifting, arm lifting, yeah, as not arm wrestling. Um, arm wrest, it, it, it's called arm lifting because it's a lifting competition that used to take place at arm wrestling competitions. This guy was like, Hey, let's do grip strength competitions at arm wrestling competitions. Now, did and he we'll like call, that or... because he's Russian,
2: okay. he called
1: it arm lifting. Arm we'll lifting, call it arm, arm lifting, lifting right? Sense. It doesn't no. sound like the sort of thing that an English speaker would come up with necessarily because you're not lifting your arm in this sport.
2: No, you're, it, it, arm lifting makes it sound like you're just flapping your wings. No, but um, for those who are a little bit confused, let me explain. And fortunately, you have a coworker who is blissfully unaware of what you do in your personal time. <laughs> so those,
1: those are the best kind. Nick
2: came into the office one day saying that he was now the North American... Grip strength, second place champion for mm-hmm. his weight class. For my weight
1: class, which is the um, little little weenie guy, yeah. 100, under 180 pounds.
2: Yeah. And so uh, sitting in front of us today are a, um, a little plethora of various grip training apparatus. And knowing Nick and knowing what he does around the office and kind of knowing that this is one of his little things, we naturally said, okay, well, what does that mean? And it said, he, me- it means he's going to the world championships. I'm going to the Russia.
1: world championships in a, in a sport. You so know, naturally um, I had
2: to go home and ro- watch Rocky IV and right. understand. Exactly oh yeah. What we're going to have
1: many ready. training montages resulting, <laughs> um, you know, and let, let me, let me put this in context a little bit. Like, yeah, there are world championships. And you, you invent a sport, you can invent a world championship. Um, this is this is a fairly popular Russian sport that I had no idea I had any aptitude in, and I did a competition locally just as a favor to somebody, and it turns out that there are like only twelve dudes in North America in my weight class, and so I kind of fell backwards into it. You know, it was it was not it was it felt like I did okay. I'm I'm no I'm no great talent in this um but it's one of those things where it's like the, the opportunity arose like you can go to the world championships of something so as a competitor right. what would why would you not do it right. right
2: and and part of this is just kind of bringing awareness to the sport more than anything absolutely, else
1: absolutely yeah it's an oddball sport it's the sort of thing that like um it's it's all grip strength focused and the idea is that you know it's it's less complicated than powerlifting powerlifting like those are those are huge heavy movements very specific rules this is kind of an a more old school strongman kind of sport where it's like hey there's a thing on the ground can you get it up can and that's it that's it there's there's just point a and point b everything between is just whatever you do right well it's and kind i wanted of
2: to i wanted to ask you about that because you're known around The office is the guy that's kind of in charge of strength for it, which, you know, is the strength portion of our local musical festival. It was, yeah. Or was. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, and I didn't know they were spelled this way, the Dinny Stone. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's basically a, a large stone that has a ring drilled into it. And you just try to challenge people yeah. to, you know, sword in the stone style, kind of just yeah. lift it Yeah, so up the
1: dinny stones are these two rocks in Scotland that have yeah rings built into the top of them. And there's this great challenge. Can you lift one or both of them, both of them being one in each hand? They're like 400 and 300 pounds. And my friend and I, for a um, a little strongman fair to a local music festival, we just, we made some dinny stones. And one of them is in my garage right now. And, um, you know, it's probably like 330 pounds. It's got this tiny little ring and it's, it's a, it's a grip challenge, but it's also just like, it's a very limited range of motion, full body lift that I just completely fell in love with. And I would lift this rock whenever I could. Uh, it takes everything you have, but the rock only moves like three inches. And I remember thinking like, wow, you know, the whole world is so obsessed with range of motion. Oh, did the, did did your squat go to parallel or ask to grass? Did did the bench press, you know, touch your chest, all these different things. But in the old days, um, there were competitions for every range of motion. Yeah, there's a there could be, um, you know, like lifting something from the ground overhead, a full-on clean and press. But there were also just like, who can lift the most in this very specific thing? Um, and Hermann Gurner, one of the great uh, old-time strongmen from the early part of the 20th century, he used to do one-arm deadlifts. Like, the one-arm deadlift is not something anybody cares about. But he once lifted 330 pounds uh, in a one-arm deadlift. And these sorts of things just sort of live on in the past, right? Like, who cares how much you can one arm deadlift? But there are a group of people out there who are looking at it like, yeah, that'd be fun. Let's do that. Why do we have to? Why do we have to limit ourselves to just, you know, uh, posing on imposing suits on stage or doing very very specific lifts? Like, I, I'll be totally honest. I'm a shitty deadlifter, shitty squatter. I I I strength train about as regularly as anybody in this building. I've, I probably I probably have lifted four to five times a week for the last five six years. But I'm just a little guy. I'm not particularly strong. And yeah, just all of a sudden I found that it paid off when I did this one specific event. Being mediocre at everything I had ever done athletically just kind of paid off enough to, you know, they, they say the rising tide uh, brings up all ships mm-hmm. basically. So being a, being a shitty rock climber, uh, being a mediocre runner, being a mediocre lifter, they just sort of coalesced, and now I'm well, I'm professionally mediocre.
2: And you're, you're you're taking us through your athletic highlights. And <laughs> That's I'd, right. I'd like to know at what point did you discover that you had this kind of special gift?
1: Special gift. Well, you know, growing up, my mother uh, did call me the special boy. <laughs> I'll have you know that was my nickname. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that I'm I'm not but, special. I've this has been a uh, it's been a process of gradual discovery over the course of my life that. Uh, despite what my mother said i'm actually not special
2: yes it's yes. Ki- it's kind of fun we were all lied to by our brothers so. i mean
1: but like in in 8th grade so, so some of my great athletic highlights um in 8th grade i played on the uh, the b team in basketball i went uh, the entire season without scoring a basket even uh, even though there was like enforced playing time i was out there like it was it's harder to not score by accident that i didn't score the entire year um i played 5 years of soccer never scored a single goal um, I was an all right outfielder in baseball, but when it got to eighth grade, I was too scared to go play. And so, um, I decided not to. And I remember my dad saying, Hey, I heard they're, they're like drafting women onto the boys, baseball team, girls under the team because they don't have enough people. And I was still too chicken to do it. Right? So this is, this is, this is <laughs> sort of my, my, my background is just like, um, I would always just do stuff until there was any sort of challenge. And then it'd be like, nah, I don't don't, don't particularly want to do. I don't particularly want to do that. So, so I had this moment when I when I did this competition. I did two competitions last year, actually, and I realized, oh wow, I'm number two in North America. I have officially qualified for Team USA in the sport of arm lifting. And I remember thinking, like, well, you know, nobody's gonna really believe that I've qualified for a strength sport. My family's going to get a great laugh out of it. Everybody I know who has known me my whole life will go. Really, really, you've you've <laughs> qualified for a uh, a world class competition, and for all those reasons, I felt like, why the hell not, right? Why 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 would I not do something like that? So for the last six weeks, maybe eight weeks, I've been uh, training fairly pointedly on these on these implements, um, and arm lifting is it's built around three lifts, kind of like the power lifts, right? So the power lift, squat, bench, deadlift. In arm lifting, the three events are a Double overhand axle bar deadlift, meaning right, no hook, no no alternating grip because right. you can lift more that way. <laughs> it's pure double overhand. Alter, um, then the second one would be um, this thing I'm holding in my hand, which you can't see if you're listening to audio only. It's called a Rolling Thunder. It's a two and three-quarter inch rotating single arm mm-hmm. deadlift handle. Um, it's really good approximation of what it's like to wring out a sweaty singlet after a powerlifting meet.
2: Well, one thing I want to point out to anyone who's not Watching this, is this which that, is everyone, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty much everyone. Um, is when you think of grip, like when I think of grip, I always think of you know, oh, gripping the bar that's that's easy, but we're looking at things where you don't actually get to wrap your hand around it, it's more, right. it's more fingers. So, can you kind of elaborate a little bit on what, what is the grip strength? Like, what are they looking at? Is it, is it mostly like hand? What muscles are you really working Sure,
1: with? yeah, and it's it's different, you know, because, um, I, I've seen some grip competitors' hands, and they're big and they're beefy. But your hands can only get so big, right? Uh, there's no, there's only like you're limited by your bones, obviously. But there's just not that much muscle in a hand. There's a little bit of muscle. I've I've seen pictures of some uh, pretty swole thumbs, but for the most part, it's it's forearm strength. It's um, also ligament and tendon strength, right? Which are very slow things to build. And when the first time somebody goes rock climbing or bouldering. They feel completely burned out. Like it, you feel like you can't even pick up your toothbrush, uh, and and there's there's just that. I, I felt that same way when I used to, when I used to go rock climbing, and um, I discovered that you know just a little bit of grip training, direct grip training, can pay off immensely. So I would do it like once or twice a week just to be a slightly less shitty boulderer, and that fatigue just started delaying it a little bit, delaying a little bit more. And um, the way I would do it would be doing, you know, the same things that people do in gyms like barbell wrist rolls and stuff like that, which is much more forearm focused, less hand focused, kind of wrist focused, really lactic acid, burny sort of muscular work. Um, This is much more like a powerlifting competition. So it's, you know, you get X attempts, either three or four, depending on the competition, you call out your weight, you lift it, you know? And so on the three, the three main lifts we talked Mm -hmm. about, the uh, the third one is um, it's like a spring-loaded gripper. Like That's what people think of when they think of grip training, right? You're holding some little springy thing in your hand. So that's an event as well. You hold that for time. Um, Then there are other events at this particular competition, including a pinch grip. So the, one of the things that I brought here is a, is a pinch block, a three inch pinch block. People who maybe have watched a bunch of Mufu videos over the last couple of years, he's been getting into grip training and pinch training. Pinch training is a, a very different kind of grip training than some of these other ones. Like some, uh, when, you know, when you're holding a a big barbell. It's kind of, you're just crushing it in your hand as best you can, even if it's an axle bar. Same, same with this rolling thunder. You just got to grip it for dear life. There's only so much technique that goes into it because it's just, you're crushing it.
2: Right. Yeah. Pinch training or the pinch grip feels like it could be its own little subset because it's, Oh yeah. It's, um, and again, I'll describe this for you. You're you have no actual grip around anything. You're just pinching this large
1: right. brick. Right. It's like a, it's like you're your pretending fingers. to be a, a clam or a lobster. And
2: it's it's a great way to just kind of mess with your buddies because we had a I can't remember where it was, but we had something in the office where you had to pinch grip to try to lift it up. And it's, yeah,
1: the legendary Jim Stepani Sr. Uh, once upon a time, gave us a concrete ball that had a little pinch block on it. It was like 55 pounds with this little tiny thing. So, and he's, he's a great grip training, uh, aficionado and yeah, nobody around the office could lift it or th- cer- certain people could, but it was a mystery. It's a mystery who has that grip strength and who doesn't. Mm. And it's, it's, it's really strange as I've gotten deeper into grip strength, I've discovered that like you can't predict what's going to work and what doesn't necessarily. Right. It's not, it's, you can, you can do your best to think your way through deadlifting, benching, squatting. But with this, sometimes when it works, you have no idea why. You have no idea what worked. Uh, you know, um, I, I trained for like two weeks for my first competition. It was like, hey, we're doing it in a couple of weeks. You want to go? And we, and we went and we practiced with the thick bar one time. We practiced with, um, with the grippers one time. And then we went in and I hit these numbers and I was like, I don't know. Were they good? And the woman was saying, like, it was really good. It was really good. I haven't been able to meet those numbers since then, right? No training, total ignorance, and just all of the other mediocre training in my life paid off that one day. I haven't been able to touch those numbers again since then. Isn't that fascinating?
2: That is fa- now. That brings up a good question: Is how are you preparing for this competition coming up in Russia? And first of all, do you speak Russian? Uh,
1: I believe "no" is in the same in <laughs> Russian and English. So okay. no.
2: Okay. So you'll just be saying. I'm you know going to say that, that I'm, I, but I'm
1: saying that in Russian when I say "no." No. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't speak a word of Russian. I've tried to learn the Cyrillic alphabet a little bit so that I don't get lost in the streets, um, because supposedly, you know, you can't trust. In Russia, that people are going to cater to your English speaking, that's fine. I've traveled internationally; I know how that is. Um, it's a really tough language, though, and I, it, it's it's as frightening to me as uh, the specific event, which is going to be, you know, like me standing in this giant Soviet-era sports complex with a fifty to seventy-five foot screen behind me, with me with in a singlet, my name on the back, people looking at me, going. Who's that guy? I don't care. What is he going to do? And I either do it or I don't. They cheer or they boo. Maybe I'll get booed. Maybe I will totally get booed by people from all over the world, right? So there are going to be 15 countries, 150 competitors there. Um, you know, I struggle with feelings of inadequacy a little bit.
2: I was going to say, this is kind of meeting that criteria that you discussed earlier of once it becomes a little too challenging, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah, I'm <laughs> there.
1: I'm totally there. And my my friend who's going with me, we have we have these conversations about once a week where it's like, how you feeling? You go, you know, I, I'm feeling pretty inadequate. <laughs> and like, yeah, you know, me too. It's these are these are good little male male sharing moments, putting our vulnerable vulnerabilities out there. But like, if you stop and think about it, majority of the people in the sport are they've been doing it for a while. Us, we're relatively new to it. You can just sort of think yourself out of this really quickly. And, um, and so one thing that I have been doing is I've been trying to find some precedent for this sort of thing. And I happened across this woman um, from the Olympics la- last year called Elizabeth, her name was Elizabeth Sweeney, right? She was, um, she just wanted to go to the Olympics and she figured out the sport that was easiest to get into. She figured out the country that was easiest to get into based on her heritage. And she made it to the Olympics just basically by figuring out how to go and going and it was in um, skiing on the halfpipe. And w- on when her ter- turn came up in Sochi or wherever it was, um, Pyongyang. Where was it? Not what Pyongyang. Was it?
2: It was Sochi. No, wait.
1: <laughs> Pyongyang is North Korea. It was in yeah, South it was, Korea. It was,
2: not in, it was not North Korea.
1: <laughs> um, uh, she just kind of skied down. Didn't do any tricks. They gave her the absolute bottom level thing. Yeah. And, and she yeah, said, so hi, everybody. And she left.
2: It's very. Possible. She's kind of <laughs> my
1: hero right now because yeah. she's like, hey, I'm going to the world championships. I have no business being there. What am I going to do? And she's like, well, of course I'll go. Yeah. I'm not going to kill myself over it like you know a real athlete would, but I'm going to go. And so I'm going to try to figure out if there's a way we can bring her on the podcast. I want to talk to her because oh, no- nobody's be really interviewed her that way yet. And I, I'm very curious about that mindset, right? Like, If any of us went out there and searched and searched, we could find something that we could Pay our way into, or just find an opportunity to probably find something. It doesn't have a lot of, you know, a lot of competition, and and you become good at it in a manner of speaking. Mm-hmm. But when shit gets serious, like, hey, we're going to Russia. Are you coming? There's going to be thousands of people potentially in the audience. You're. It's going to be you versus the mountain in strongman. It's going to be you versus somebody oh, who's. Yeah, let's you know, not
2: forget that. But there are what, are you, what are you going to do? Yeah.
1: Right. I, you know. So yeah. there's
2: athletes, the, and famous competitors and athletes that are going to be there.
1: No, no, there are. I mean, they're they're famous in the world of grip strength. Yes. Right. And and uh, grip strength has always been a weird little insular community. Um. My uh my coach in this is this guy nicknamed the Lobster, uh, because of his pinching power. His name is Adam Glass. He's one of the great freaks in grip strength in the human race for the last twenty years or so. And people like that are there. They're competitors and. Half of the events are um, weight class. So I'm going to be competing just against people my own size in, I think, three of them. The other three are all open class. So it's going to be me versus Ode Haugen, the vice grip Viking, who uh, is 275 pounds and can deadlift 700 pounds uh, and has you know, easily lift a thick bar of 400 pounds. Like he's, he's a monster. He's an absolute monster. And so when I go there, that's one of the decisions I have to make is like, how much am I going to compete against? Try to compete against people in open class stuff, which is an option. I'm guaranteed to come in last in every single one of them. But am I going to do that? Right? What, Why not? Do, what, already, what are you doing? You're in that already situation? there. You
2: have the invitation to go. Right. So, so I mean, what, what I'm hearing you say is it's very possible that you and your friend could come in 149th and 150th, respectively. And
1: it's a it's a distinct possibility, you know. And uh, um, my my wife is um, she's a much more accomplished person athletically than me um the main reason that i do things like lift weights five times a week or whatever do yoga go for a run is to try to keep up with her because she's she's a, a real person yeah, i'm, she mastered I'm, I'm, the I'm kind of a handstand
2: her. i'm right. already jealous of her. right exactly so
1: and i remember her telling me um you know why why would you go if you're not trying to win like she couldn't quite grasp that and i was like i don't care where does you that get
2: it? Like, you're getting to go to Russia and compete in an athletic event in Russia. That alone yeah. cares my, what it is. Or my
1: sons, I have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old. And um, my, my seven-year-old, he, he doesn't really want me to go. And part of it, I think, is because he doesn't want me to go over there and not win because he's a kid. He's like, yeah. I mean, even even a seven-year-old understands the idea of, like, if you're going to the world championships of something, you're going there trying to win. But I don't. I, I think he wants me to not go in order to protect me, which is very Aww. sweet. But me, on the other <laughs> hand, I'm like, you know, of course, I, I don't mind coming in last place. Um, I, I believe I've used this anecdote on the podcast a number of times. But uh, I ran a, my first trail race. I've, I've only run a few of them. I run them for fun when they're in a pretty place. I ran this ten mile trail race maybe five years ago, and uh, like eight people in the race, and I came in dead last. And by you know. Three four minutes. Like everybody else was a serious runner, and me, I was just like, I'm gonna go out there try to finish feeling good. And as I crossed the finish line, I had this moment. Where I was like, All right, everybody's gonna ask me, how What? How did you do? And when I say I came in last, they're gonna say, Well, how does it feel? And I thought about it. How does it feel to come in last place? And it feels liberating. It feels completely liberating. And I had this conversation with somebody else recently where I was telling them like um, one of my favorite bands. They made some of their best records when everybody thought they were were didn't even exist anymore. And there's my my friend was like, that sounds liberating. Like nobody cares about you anymore. Like, yeah, isn't that great? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I'm trying to approach this is like, not how do you perform when the world is watching, but how do you perform when it really doesn't matter? It does not matter at all. Nobody cares and you're there. I, I have no idea what's gonna happen. And it's it's not. Um, it's not a question of like how heavy I lift, it's, you know, how I, how I comport myself in that situation, how I, how I actually go through the process. Am I going to be disappointed with myself if I go up there and I lift the exact same amount that I lifted before? I don't know. That's part of the adventure, you know.
2: Attitude is everything, and we've talked about that many times on the podcast. Where with bodybuilding, everyone goes in wanting to win, right? And, you know, it's a sport where very few people win, and yeah, I mean, half the time. W- w- first just time you on did on your stage. first
1: time you did a competition. Um, <laughs> yeah. What 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 was your feeling on winning?
2: I was just happy to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just happy to step on stage and finally be done with the prep and be there and showing off everything I learned. And I did horribly. There's terrible pictures somewhere on the internet of me. Um, did you
1: Did you finish toward the bottom?
2: I, I, well, in a group of six females, I got fourth, mm-hmm. which is not even, you know, top three. And right. so, you know, it's even in the bottom half of those six. Bo-
1: bodybuilding can be particularly cruel in that regard because there could be like, 20 people in 16th place in the Olympia, you right. know, like oh, yeah, yeah. They, they just sort of cut off a group of people, like an infected limb, you know, <laughs> like all of you,
2: all of you, you, you are, are your bottom now. Yeah. All right, let's look and at the other people. My last show where I got second in a very big show, I think there were 119 competitors in figure alone and I got second. So that felt really cool. Cause you know, you're just, just to be even at that level, I didn't even care that I didn't get first. It was mm-hmm. just to be, to have a trophy. But, um, Each time, just the the act of getting there was so much more than whatever awards or accolades that you receive on the other end of that. Whereas running is such a weird sport because I'm also or was once a long long time ago a runner. Mm -hmm. And my best season was a season before anybody knew who I was Mm -hmm. or knew I could run. Mm -hmm. I always tell people like once the papers got a hold of my name – I didn't do as well because people mm. were actually watching me.
1: I think that's a pretty common story. Yeah. yeah, and I
2: think in talking to athletes too, you know, most people had their greatest kind of trajectory when they were still relatively unknown. And as soon as people start paying attention, it's like you've got that pressure mm. kind of helping tamp you down a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's 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 tough though um, when you have that that um, that date out there floating, whether it's a race, whether it's a bodybuilding show, it's just hanging out out there. And once you commit to it. It's it's there no matter how well you do at it you know how did how did you feel with, how did you deal with that accountability now are flipping
2: the You're, yeah, yeah. you're actually no, I, want, I want to me know um, we're
1: interviewing each other
2: we're, yes uh, well in with races you know for me once the gun went off then I just turned off the brain and let the muscles take over um, with the competition. And with bodybuilding competitions, I mean, you're even in between shows. You can't eat, you can't drink. You're just completely right. miserable. I say the worst moments of my life were tr- were the day of competitions because you're just lying on a bed, staring at the ceiling, waiting to go on stage again because you can't do anything. You're covered in spray tan. It's just so so miserable. So, um, I think that's what's prevented me from competing again is just knowing that if I put a date on the calendar and I commit to that date the lead up to that is right. the worst part. And then the day of is the worst part. And yeah, so I just, I, I think until the worst
1: part of the best part, I thought you said that the journey there was the best part. <laughs>
2: the, when you <laughs> finally get to step on stage for the last time. So you've done the judging in the morning and you're finally coming on stage for the last time, you know, to get your trophy or to, you know, if you win your class, then you have to, that's why you can't eat anything. Cause if you win your class, you have to go on to the next level. So you really have to stay in peak condition right. all the way through the day. And Knowing that there's you're finally there, it's kind of – the only thing I can equate it to with running is when you can finally – you're within 100 yards of the finish line and you're there. And every runner has that last little kick where it's like, okay, I just got to get there. That's I can see it now. And,
1: and then you get across and you're like, you i still me. I feel kind of <laughs> sad now.
2: I did it. Um, so I think that's that's true with any competition where the anticipation is really what makes it so – terrifying, but right. actually doing it. You're going to get over there. You're going to just kind of just do it. And I'm curious. And, then, to and see. then it
1: and then it ends and then you just have the rest of yeah. your life to deal with. Yeah.
2: Know? And, and, you know, this might become a thing, you know, we might have you <laughs> well, grip it, training between.
1: It could, I mean, it could be. So, so, um, so Adam, my, my coach is, he's, he's a great expert in grip training in addition to being one of the stronger guys in the world in that sport. Um, And he believes that grip training and grip strength are unique among human attributes in that they peak a lot later. So he says mm-hmm. grip strength can peak as late as 50, 52, mm-hmm. right? Which you don't think about. So muscle and things like that, you, you you your anabolic peak is pretty early in your life. But grip strength possibly because it's so um, connective tissue oriented instead of muscularly oriented. It's so nervous system mm-hmm. oriented, right? Supposedly um, there's this thing so there's a thing called the homunculus. Where uh, you know I heard of the homunculus, it's this old sta- it's this old statue that has gigantic hands, mm-hmm. right? And the idea is that in your brain and in your nervous system wiring, your grip is much more prominent than any other muscle group, right? Your, mm-hmm. this, your grip is how you feed yourself, your grip is how you scratch your ass, mm-hmm. you know all the important things that you do in life. And so it's it's a totally unique uh, um, thing in, in terms of how often you can train it. In terms of um, you know how it how hard it is to recover from and how you control it. You, it's, it's controlled much more by nervous system mm-hmm. than by muscular. So You can only clench your hands yeah. so hard, but as you learn to um, to actually be able to innervate the few muscles that you have, you can make dramatic increases in strength, supposedly.
2: Well, I have not seen them. <laughs> that's hopeful. And, and what I like about the theme of kind of what we're talking about, we're talking about grip strength, but really the theme is like, if you find something that you are truly good at, right. or if you find, you know, to take the example of the Olympian we talked about earlier, if you find a way to do something you've always wanted to do, why wouldn't you yeah. try to do it? I mean, I,
1: I was uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. I was drinking uh, a couple of beers with a friend of mine, and I was telling him about this. It was the first he had heard of, it. and he said, "You know, I think I figured it out. There's probably a sport out there for every single one of us. You just happen to fall ass backwards into your sport." Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not convinced that that's actually the case, you know. Um, and and to be to, to be completely honest, I did okay. Like I totally did okay in the sport. It's not like it's not like I truly suck at grip strength, um, but Yeah, he was saying, you know, maybe competitive dog riding is my sport. And I just haven't been in a competition. Find out, oh my God, you're the Luke Skywalker of competitive dog riding.
2: What is it, the Iditarod, (laughs) where you can just go across the Arctic Circle? That's a thing. I swear it's a thing.
1: Oh yeah, the the Iditarod (laughs) is indeed a thing. It's a thing.
2: All right, well, Nick, if people want to harass you and heckle you leading up to and during the competition... (laughs) What would be the best way for them to do that other than in the comment section of our podcast?
1: That, that always works. Uh, just, <laughs> just keep listening to the Bodybuilding.com podcast. I'm going to see if I can get Elizabeth Swaney on. Um, and, you know, just pray for me, people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, we will most likely follow up at some point since you're here in the building and it's easy for us to do so but you um, won't
1: recognize me ten, <laughs> 10 weeks from now the is the competition um i'm gonna have trouble getting in the doorway my my yeah. giant hands are gonna just, be dragging behind so me.
2: swole <laughs> just knuckles on the floor all right nick thanks for sitting down and absolutely uh, sharing your adventures with us and thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time